0: its co-workers, sister staff. If you could stand, we could welcome you this night. and Amen. Lift up your name, O Jesus. Name above all names, O God. There is no one like you, O Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. As we go to prayer, could I ask Brother Tom if you open up the service in a word of prayer. We just have a prayer request here for our brother Ken Riddell. He will be having surgery on his shoulder that has been causing him a lot of pain in Kelowna tomorrow morning. Please uh, pray that the great physician will be uh, present and oversee every aspect of the surgery and for uh, a quick and uh, speedy recovery. And palm as you open up the service. If you have a need, just lift it before the Lord. Amen. We'll meet that need.
1: Heavenly Father, we bow our heads tonight to give you all the glory. Where else would we rather be tonight on a Wednesday, Lord, but in the presence of the great I Am? What a grand honor and privilege it is to stand before the very throne of grace with the blood-bought and purchased of God. You look around the room, Lord, and we see those that have been moved by the Holy Spirit and changed by the power of your Word. It thrills our heart, Lord, Lord, Showing this sin-cursed world that there's a people that are standing strong, standing true under the blood of the Lamb. And so tonight we want to pray, Lord, for Brother Riddell. We pray, Lord, that you will be the great physician on the scene. Lord, physicians are called and they do their part. But, Lord, would, it would be marvelous and it's true and wonderful that you're a very present help in time of trouble. And so, Lord, would you guide the physicians. May it be a quick recovery. And may you be glorified through it all, Lord. Tonight, Brother Tim Dodd will be ministering. We're looking forward, Lord, to what you've laid upon his heart. Would you speak through him? Lord, meet our needs and the longings of our heart, for we would declare as a people, as a songwriter wrote, we want more of Jesus, more and more and more. So Lord, we just pray that you'll meet every need now this evening, and those that have joined with us, Lord, we just pray that the presence of the Lord will move wherever they are. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.
0: seats. Our sister Tracy. Revis has a special for us as she comes. Can we sing the battle is the Lord's? There is a source. There is a source in times
2: of need that gives me hope that brings
3: To everyone, I want to thank everyone publicly for praying for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the last couple of years has been a real trial, and it was a year ago today, I was on my back and um, in real trouble and looking to the Lord, um, needing a doctor and being lied to by doctors and I sat on my couch yesterday a year ago crying and telling the Lord that um, I was not going to go through what they wanted to put me through. And I asked him for a specific um, doctor to let me get a hold of this doctor that I had tried to get a hold of uh, back in February before this happened. Um, And within two hours, he gave me my answer and I had a doctor um, and it took that doctor three months to agree to do my surgery. But um, God led me to him that day. So I'm very thankful And I just thank everyone
4: (laughs) One day I'm gonna take a step Toward my theophany One day I'm gonna take another step Into my theophany One day I know Go we my door. Don't you know that death is a doorway that leads to the heavenly shore. Over there, there's no heartache, no sorrow, grief or pain, but perfect love, peace and joy beyond compare. One day I'm gonna take a step toward my bionphony. One day I'm gonna take another step into my theophany one day i know the final step is going to set me free my theophany i hear it calling me it's calling, to come up a little higher into the perfect world come up a little higher Whoa!
0: amen we see victory hallelujah oh over the next hill i look
2: oh i see victory
0: I'll fly away. Some glad morning as Brother Tim comes. Oh,
2: some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away.
5: calling you. It's not just calling you to a rapture. It's calling you every day. Step up a little higher. Come up into the perfect word. Come up into perfect love. It's not on the other side. That's all that will be on the other side, but it's here for us now. And may we take a step higher this evening. Just one more service. We don't know when the last service will be. We don't know when the last gathering will be, but we want everything that we can out of this service, and we pray that the Lord will just have the preeminence this evening. It's a Wednesday night. Uh, some people call Wednesday nights home cooking or meat and potatoes or whatever you want to call it. You know, it's, it's just a time we can uh, let down our hair if we have any, and uh, we can just uh, be ourselves. Amen. We welcome all the visitors also. Good to have you with us. And each one that's here, we couldn't have a service without you. Thank you, Sister Tracy, for that. And uh, we just want everything that God has for us tonight. Let's just bow our heads together in a word of prayer. If you have a need, why don't you hold it before the Lord? I was just given a piece of paper that said, Sister Rena has been admitted again to the hospital today. And so we want to bear our sister up. And if you have a need, why don't you also hold that before the Lord? Heavenly Father, Lord, we bow in your presence, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As we are gathered together with saints of like precious faith, as we bring our licks of fire together, as we unite our hearts and pray that the anointing of the word would put us in one mind and one accord this evening. Lord, that we might see the supernatural break forth amongst the people of God. That, Lord, you will come to individual lives and meet individual needs, O God. We remember our sister Rena tonight, Lord. She's on our hearts all the time, Lord, going through a struggle naturally, Father. But, Lord, you are her healer. You are the great physician. You are the one that is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And Lord, we bear our sister up before you that you would be merciful to her, O God, as she's in the hospital and her body is having a hard time recovering from the things that she has been through. Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that healing virtue that was loosed at Calvary For by your stripes we are healed. May it go to her even now, O God. May it supernaturally permeate her natural body, Lord, and bring healing into every fiber of her being. Lord, you are the supernatural one. You do not know natural limitations. You do not acknowledge the diagnosis of the doctor. We acknowledge the diagnosis of the word this evening. You are the God that heals all of our sicknesses and diseases and we hold our sister up and claim her blessing in the name of jesus christ may you touch her lord father now as we turn back the pages of your word you gave us a powerful message on sunday lord lord it so so encouraged us father so drew us closer to you And Lord, I pray tonight once again you'll come in the opening of your Word. We are not opening the Word. The Word is open. But Lord, may you just come and anoint it afresh to our ears today. And Lord, may you minister unto the needs and the desires and the the burdens of every individual, whether it be here, whether it be out over the Internet as this service is broadcast. You know everyone, Father. And we ask, Lord, we realize we have a few notes, but Lord, may you just take the service into your hands and direct it the way it should go. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn together to the book of Psalms. This evening, Psalms chapter 139. I'm going to tell you my title right off the start, which is, The Faith of God That Moves in You. Brother Branham makes a statement, and I'll come to it. Uh, He says, A believer is the faith of God that moves in you. And and we want to read Psalms 139. I'm just going to read two verses while you're standing, and then while you're seated, Please keep your Bibles open to Psalms 139 because I'll read most of the chapter. It's a very powerful scripture. 139, and, and let's read from verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Now I'm going to go back to verse 1 here and read as David uh, declares in this psalm. And I want you to look at it not just as a psalm or not just as... The poet David writing, and who he was a poet, he was a prophet, he was a singer, he was a musician, he was a a very gifted man. But I want you to view it as a son of God who realizes his connection to God. And that is really what the Holy Spirit is trying to get to the believer, especially in the last days, is that not only are you connected to God, but you are inseparable from God. And so as we read these scriptures, you'll see this revelation as David declares it in Psalms chapter 139 from verse 1. He says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. And we know that our thoughts speak louder in heaven than our words do on earth. He says, thou compassest my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Now David doesn't stop there. He says, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. And he says, such, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. So we see David in this, in this revelation that is striking him. He says, there's things that I'm beginning to see, but, but it's much greater than I can even understand. It's much more than I can even comprehend. He says, verse 7, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Now this is an astounding statement. Because he's not saying that God is everywhere. Because quite frankly, there is no God in hell. But the, the prophet David realizes, if I'm there, you will be there. Think about that revelation. He says, there's no God in hell, but I'm inseparable from you. And I've come to realize in my life that you've been with me every step of the way. If I go up into heaven, you'll be there. Even if I make my bed in hell, you'll be there, because I'm there. Hallelujah. What a revelation he's writing here. He says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Hallelujah. No matter how dark it gets, you're there, and you are the light. And in the darkness, there'll be light because you're there, and you're there because I'm there. Listen, David is really catching a revelation here. He's really, no doubt, looking back in his life and seeing he's been with me every step of the way. He's watched over me. He's protected me. He's been in my battles. He's been in my storms. He's been in this obstacle and that obstacle. When people hated me, he still loved me. When people turned against me, he was still with me. When everything went sideways and there seemed no hope, he was still there. And then as he, make, and he, as he comes to that realization, then he has to realize, I am eternally connected to God. It's not just a coincidence. It is not because I'm a good man. As he said in verse 1, you've searched me, you know me, you know my words, you know my thoughts. There's another psalm that David writes, he says, Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. But he, he cries out here, he's realizing there's, there's, there's an eternal connection between me and God. All right, let's read a little bit further here. He says, verse 13 for thou hast possessed my reins reins there looks like horses reins but it's not horses reins reins in the hebrew refers to the innermost thoughts and desires in the natural you might say they say it might refer to the kidneys and if you understand kidneys you understand how much your body relies upon the strength of your kidneys it filters out poisons. It, it gives moisture. It, it, mo- it moderates and controls so many parts of the body. And, and yet in the midst of that, he says to God, you have possessed my reign. You have possessed my innermost thoughts and desires. And thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Even before I was born, you were there. Amen. He says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Then the Scriptures that we read, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now considering what he's just said, now he's going back before his mother's womb. He's going back when my body was just the elements in the earth. You knew my substance. You knew what atoms were going to come from. Potassium and potash and, and, and cosmic light, if we could say it that way, and, and, and magnesium and, and the different elements of the human body that would come together in my mother's womb when they were yet elements before my mother ate them before they they were maybe taken up into a plant that my mother ate, or before uh, an animal ate that plant, a lamb, and my mother ate that lamb and received strength and nourishment, and that went into my body before it was even there. In other words, before there was a creation. Amen. Before there was let there be. You knew my substance. You knew the very elements that I would come from. Hallelujah. He says, thine eyes, verse 16, did see my substance, yet being unperfect, or we could say incomplete. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there there was none of them. And then notice verse 17 here. How precious also... Are thy thoughts unto me, O God? How great is the sum of them. How precious, how valuable are your thoughts to me. All right, you can put up the slides if you would. Now, I don't see the controller here. Oh, there it is. All right. Now, I want to just go through a a few statements that Brother Branham makes in the Church Age book just to bring our thoughts together on this. And as I'm ministering on, still ministering on the revealing of the sons of God, but in particular tonight, the faith of God that moves in you. And as David, you know, comes to this great revelation that he records in Psalms 139 here. It took me back to the Smyrnian Church Age uh, chapter. If you've never read the Church Age book, I've said this before, you should read it. If you want to just read these parts, it's in chapter 4, called the Smyrnian Church Age. And I I want you to just, just follow along with me as I bring out these thoughts that are brought out in the Church Age book. Now, he says, watch carefully and see this. He says... Before there was ever a speck of stardust, before God was God, God is an object of adoration, and no one was there to worship Him. So, that, so He was at that time only potentially God. You understand what Brother Branham is saying? God is an object of worship, and there's nothing to worship God. He's not God. He's just the self-existing One. All right? He says, "...and He was known only as Eternal Spirit." And then he says, the bride was already in his mind. Yes, she was. She was existing in his thoughts. And what about those thoughts of God? They are eternal, are they not? Now remember David said, and this is what I want to get to tonight, is that David says, thy thoughts are precious unto me your thoughts are valuable unto me. Going way back, tracing his own life back and realizing if God was with me every step of the way, truly I was in the mind of God before I ever existed. Because God is eternal, he's omniscient. And we'll, we'll just read this here as we go along. He says, the eternal thoughts of God, let me ask you, are the thoughts of God eternal? If you can see this, you will see many things. Again, These quotes have been read recently, but I just want to delve into them because every sentence here really is a sermon. And you can preach just on one of these sentences for for an entire service. He says, God is unchangeable in both essence and behavior. That is to say, what He is is unchangeable and what He does is unchangeable. Okay? He says, we have studied that and proven that already. God is infinite in his abilities, so therefore he, as God, must be omniscient. And omniscient means all-knowing. So because God is infinite, he knows all things. And if he is omniscient, then he is not now learning, nor is he taking counsel even with himself. Nor is he at any time adding to his knowledge. If he can add to his knowledge, then he is not omniscient. You understand that thought? He says, if, if God can learn a new thing, then he doesn't know all things. But if he knows all things, he can't learn a new thing. And that's what makes him God. It, there's nothing hidden from him. He says, if he's learning, he says, then the last statement, the best we could say is that sometime he will be, but that is not scriptural. So the scripture says he is omniscient, he's all-knowing, he's infinite, he's eternal, he's omnipotent, all of these characteristics of God and he does not change in what he is or what he does. Amen. He is omniscient. He has never had a new thought about anything because all his thoughts he has, he has all, all his thoughts he has always had and always will have. And knows the end from the beginning because he is God. Thus the thoughts of God are eternal. And this is what I think David was realizing. And they are real. They are not simply like a man with a blueprint that he's drawn up. Which one day will be translated into substance and form. But they are already real and eternal and part of God. Now this is really hard for us living in time, space, and matter to really grasp in these puny minds that we have. And so we, we, we just have to let the Holy Spirit speak to us on these subjects. And that's why I say you could take a single sentence and preach all service on it because these, these things are way too deep to just uh, really grasp. But line upon line, precept upon precept, He's revealing Himself to us. And that's God's purpose and God's will in the lives of believers, is that he's revealing himself. You don't learn God, God reveals himself to you. That's why sitting in a service, we're not all necessarily on the same page. That is to say, one person, God might be dealing with them in a certain level of their relationship with Christ, and another might be in a different, and level isn't even the right word, but a different aspect of their relationship with Christ, and God is an individual God. He's, he's, He's infinite, and that's why He can deal with us individually, and you're sitting here individually listening to one man preach the gospel, and yet at the same time it's meaning something different to you and something different to you and something different to you because it's not the man, it's God. We're not here for a lecture. This is not a TED Talk. Praise the Lord. This is the realities of God that a servant of God, doesn't matter who the servant is, can get himself out of the way and God can speak through him and can say something in a certain way and a certain sentence will mean something specifically so much to you individually. And you'll leave this service and you'll know, God spoke to me. And yet you'll tell me or tell one of these brothers after they preach, you know, when you said such and such a thing, that was just God speaking to me. And the preacher might be thinking, did I say that? (sighs) I don't remember saying that, but that's God. This is a supernatural gospel. This is a supernatural service. There are things ha- happening in realms that are beyond the natural five senses. That is to say what you see, taste, feel, smell or hear, it's much more that's happening right now because the eternal God is revealing his thoughts. All right? And these thoughts are eternal, Brother Branham says, and these thoughts are real. All right? Because they always existed and they always will exist. They're not like our thoughts that are here today and gone tomorrow. We get into a conversation and we think, you know, we think we're going to say a certain something. somebody will say something and then, you know, we'll wait till they're done talking and and we're going to say something in reply and by the time they get done talking, it's like, what was I going to say? I can't remember what I was going to say. Maybe it's just when you pass, I don't know, 40, 50, 60, 70, I don't know. You get into those those ruts in your life and you go, oh, I had something so inspired to say and now I can't remember it. That's not the thoughts of God. The thoughts of God are eternal. (laughs) That's the way man thinks. Amen. He says, see how this works? And then he goes into Psalms 139 here. See how this works? God always had his thoughts for Adam. Adam, as his thoughts was yet unexpressed. Psalms one thirty nine fifteen to 16, and then he reads the scripture that we read. He says, this will give you a little idea of this. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the, lower, lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And I, I want you to just think about that thought, yet being unperfect. God saw you before you came to earth yet being unperfect. God saw the ingredients that it was going to take to make you what He's called you to be, yet being unperfect. You could be even sitting here in the service right now, and we are, all of us, sitting here not yet fully complete, because the fullness of the adoption is the redemption of these bodies. It's the change of these mortal bodies, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, we shall all be changed. So, that, so we're, we have not yet arrived there yet, so we could say about even our own lives, as God is making himself known to us as sons and daughters of God, we are yet unperfect, but that doesn't mean we weren't in his thoughts. Amen? He saw you yet being unperfect, but he's got a destination for you. He's got a perfection for you. He's got a completion for you and he's working towards that completion as, as he reveals himself to you and, and specifically as he reveals what he's written in his book to you personally because it says here, and in thy book were all my members written. In thy book, what book? The Lamb's book of life. In the Lamb's book of life was all my members written. In other words, in the Lamb's book of life is who I'm supposed to be. Amen. In the Lamb's book of life is everything about me. In the Lamb's book of life is my destiny. In the Lamb's book of life is my satisfaction. In the Lamb's book of life is everything that I desire, even though I may not know that I desire it yet. But it's written there in the Lamb's book of life. And it was hidden down through the ages waiting to be opened up in the last days. He says, all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Well, names written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Last statement. That, as I said, was not written about Adam. No, it was David writing about himself. He says, but it gives you the idea and knowledge that the thought was there in his mind. And that thought was eternal and had to be expressed. I'm so glad. I'm so glad for that. It had to be expressed. So when Adam was formed of the dust of the earth and his spiritual being created by God, then Adam became God's thoughts expressed. And those eternal thoughts were now manifested. In other words, what God thought of Adam became manifested in this dimension or in this realm that we live in. And God, those thoughts that God saw now come into manifestation and reality. And so do you. David realizing my, my members were written in a book. My life was recorded. It, these things didn't happen by chance. They were written in a book. Who I was meant to be. Now, now we realize that Adam was, was created in perfection. But you and I came born in sin. Shaped in iniquity come into the world speaking lies. That's why Brother Branham says in the Church Age book, he says, it's not the person that's predestinated, it's the seed. You see, your person, you are not predestinated to be born in sin. No, that came because of the fall. And God allowed it to happen to subject you to things that you would experience, that you would never experience if you were born in perfection. And God allowed this whole unveiling to happen, not just the unveiling of himself, but the unveiling of yourself. And God allowed you to come into this realm, your members, not yet in perfection. But what is predestinated is what is recorded in Romans 8, which we'll we'll look at in a little while. But in Romans chapter 8, who he foreknew, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And so there, there's a destiny that God has for you. Predestinated speaks of destiny. And so he says the image for you is of sonship. Amen. The image of his son. Who Jesus Christ was the fullness of it. He says moreover whom he predestinated he called. Why did he call you? Because you weren't born perfect. You were born with spiritual amnesia, and God came by your way, brought his word by your way. He called you, and when he called you, you believed him, and therefore whom he called he justified, because justification is on the basis of your faith in believing his call, and whom he justified, he's already glorified. So the destiny is already in his mind. It's already there, but yet being unperfect, we have to put ourselves into his hands and say, God, you are working this out. Are you with me? Lord, you've got it all in your control. You are the one that's bringing it to pass. You are the one that's going to carry out the ultimate purpose in my life. And that's what David was was writing about here. And, and, And there's so much he thought that so much about the things of God or the thoughts of God that are beyond me. And I can say it this way, there's things about the thoughts of God in my life that I still struggle to understand, but there's something pushing me to a higher understanding. There's something pulling me from within that says there's more to it. It's not just about getting saved. It's not just about being a sinner and and then getting saved and going to heaven. No, there was something God had in his thoughts and in those thoughts, he wants to express himself fully and completely. Now he says here, every, it says in the word of God. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 5, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into the condemnation, but is past. From death unto life. Amen. What is that? You hear the word. Not, not, not just here. Naturally speaking. Not everybody has the ability to hear or to understand. But because you have a predestinated seed. There's something within you that calls you to God. There's something within you that causes you to recognize the word of the hour. It's a deep calling that comes from the predestination of God that has pulled and predestinated that seed gene. All right, I jumped right in. I I didn't give a lot of preliminaries, but I wanted you to see where we're going. Now let's take a step back for a moment. Many people look to different means to find their purpose in life. Many people look at different avenues. Some look to education. You know, if I get a degree in this, or I get my master's in this, or I get a PhD in that, you know, that will really help me to uh, understand or take a hold of a purpose in life. There's others that maybe go into business, and they have a business, and they maybe can be successful, and they can... Uh, make lots of money, and and there are great businessmen in the world that have made millions and billions of dollars. But is that really the purpose? There's others that maybe are gifted physically, and they become athletes, and they give themselves to their sport, whether it be uh, hockey or football or baseball or what we call North America soccer or I don't know what the other major sports are in the world. I guess there's, there's as many as just about you can think about, and they, they give themselves, and they work hard, and they labor, and even Paul likens the Christian walk to running a race, and, and everybody that runs a race must be temperate in all things. In other words, they don't just eat anything they want to eat. They don't, they, they, they're careful in their exercise, and they're careful in, in the way that they take care of their bodies and all those kind of things. Why? Because they're looking for something. You know, they're trying to accomplish something. And because of that, many indeed become frustrated. Many can't attain to the ultimate level of what they think they should be able to attain to, and they, or they find that there's no real satisfaction in those things. If I have a million dollars, I'll be satisfied, and they get a million dollars, and they're not satisfied. Maybe it'll be 10 million and I'll be satisfied or 100 million and they get that and they attain that and it still doesn't satisfy them. Well, maybe it's to be a billionaire or maybe it's to be a multi-billionaire or maybe it's to be the richest man in the world and they're still not satisfied. As I mentioned before, I was reading a statement by Elon Musk and he talked about how that the poor in the world which live on, uh, I think it's like 50% of the world that live on $5 or less a day. He says... And most of those people are happy. He says, but I know, and I think he said something like 14 billionaires. Personally, I know them and none of them are happy. It's not in money. It's not in education. It's not in business. It's not in sports. And out of frustration, it drives people to alcohol and it drives them to doing drugs and it drives them to other temporary pleasures of the flesh and different things. And the attributes of unbelief just grow and grow and grow. And then we find out, you know what? There's no satisfaction in those things. But the purpose of why God made us and, wh- and how God made us has always been in his thoughts. Therefore, and I want to and I'm speaking I know to to believers tonight, but let me just say you can only find the true meaning of yourself by going to the thoughts of God. Amen. And that's what David was recognizing. When God reveals his thoughts to you personally, In there, he is our satisfying portion. In there is the rest that every man and woman seeks. In there is the place of joy. In there is the place of rest. And I'll I'll reiterate it, it's not about education. It's not about money. It's not about uh, earthly possessions. It's not about uh, anything that we view in the natural. It's about finding out what God thought of you before the foundation of the world and coming into that position. Because that is really what redemption means. Redemption is, of course, has two parts. It's a coming out of and a going into and it's not just, Christianity is not just about coming out of sin. That's the first step. That's the important part. God delivers you from sin, but there must be a going into. There must be an entering into the thoughts that God has for you. There must be an obtaining of a a place like Israel when they came out out of Egypt. And they were brought out of Egypt, but they spent 40 years in the wilderness because of their unbelief, because the word of God was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. And they waited 40 years before they could go into the promised land, but into the promised land was the fulfillment. Into the promised land was their place. In the promised land was their inheritance. As Brother Tom spoke about the, the abstract title deed, the abstract of course, is the Holy Ghost, which tells you you're entitled to the title deed. And that's what crossing the River Jordan meant to the, to the Israelites in the wilderness. Crossing Jordan represented the new birth. But then there was a land to possess. There was an inheritance to possess. There was a title deed to lay a hold of. And the title deed to them is a natural land, but the title deed to the believer is the revealing of the Lamb's book of life. That's what the lamb came to redeem was the title deed for the elect of God. It was sealed with seven seals, but now in the last days he comes to reveal that. And when I say reveal that, he comes to bring the bride. He comes to bring the elect into their inheritance. And it's not a collective inheritance. It's not a natural land. The inheritance is sonship. That Adam lost in the beginning. Are you with me? So David says, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Hallelujah. If you're at all in doubt, I'd encourage you to sell what you have. And obtain that treasure in the field. That's what the, Jesus spoke in Matthew 13, I think it was. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden a field when a man has found it. He hides it for joy, and for joy goes and sells all that he hath and buys that field. That now is my inheritance. That is my joy. That is my treasure. That is my portion. And God makes known to you personally something more valuable than anything this world has to offer. All right. You with me so far? All right. Now let's go back to the message perfect faith for a moment. Many of us have quoted it lately. And... Brother Brown says, Jesus had faith in the word of God that said what he was. It's written of me. And then he says, didn't David in the Psalms and the prophets and all of them speak of him? I am the bread of life that comes down from God out of heaven. I'm the tree of life from the garden of Eden. I'm all these things. I am that I am. And he knew that. A perfect faith that he was the anointed Messiah. Messiah that the Spirit of God was upon him. He said, now I myself do nothing, but it's my faith in God. Notice how Brother Brown says that. Jesus speaking, he says, I don't do anything, but whatsoever the Father shows me, the Son doeth likewise. And so Brother Branham phrases it as, it's not me, but it's my faith in God. I don't do it, but it's my faith in God. He says, and God was in him, the word made manifest. And when the word of God comes into you, it's made manifest. For you are a believer. Can you say amen to that tonight? I'm a believer. The word comes to me, I'm a believer. By that you're justified. God recognizes your faith. And then Brother Branham makes that statement that I titled the service, and a believer is the faith of God that moves in him. And so the revelation of who you are is what moves in you. You are the revelation as God delivers it to you. We were all born in sin. We all came into this world not understanding who we are. We were raised in a certain family. You might have been raised in a message family. You might have come to church all of your life from a young age, but you sat in church and you tried to understand it. You tried to make sense of it, and you heard about a prophet, and you heard about a message, and you heard about true water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you heard about different things that uh, on the Godhead, and how God was one, and all of those things, and, and, and you, had, you developed a mental conception of it, but that's not you. In you lays a seed gene that's recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And that's what God wants to take the seals off of, if I can say it that way. That's what God wants to reveal the mystery of. The mystery of sonship that lays in you. That lays in you. The mystery of the children of God that lays in every individual one of you. It was a mystery down through the ages. But we've come to the age when all the mystery of God is finished. And so the new birth being the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you creates a revelation in you as a believer that God is raising the church up. God is raising up a mighty army, sons and daughters of God that are recognizing the devil doesn't stand a chance. That are recognizing that the power of God has always followed me. Like David said, when I, if I'm out on the sea, he's there. If I'm in the mountains, he's there. If I'm in heaven, he's there. If I even make my bed in hell, he's there because I'm there. Because he's in me by predestination. There's something laying there and I cannot get away from God. When I get up in the morning, the thoughts of God come back into my mind. When I go to work, the thoughts of God are in my mind. When I go to the shopping, to go to the grocery store, whatever it is, the thoughts of God are in my mind. When I sit down in the quiet of the evening, the thoughts of God are there. Everywhere I go, he's there. Why? Because he was watching over you before you were born. He was watching over the magnesium that your body is. He was watching over the calcium that's in your body. He made this earth. He laid out all of the elements because you were in his thoughts. Waiting for you to be materialized. How the pleasure of God. Oh, I could go to Hebrews 11. Now it's not my subject. But you know, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Why did he please God? Because he believed the things that God revealed to him. He had this testimony. Brother Branham said he was a type of the bride. A type of the rapture church, I think was the word he used. He's a type of the rapture church. He's a type of you. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Why did he please God? Because God, and, and that word pleasing, don't mistake, it's not just something of pleasure, but the word pleasing means something that is done for good that has value. Right. And so that God looks at you and sees an expression of his thoughts. And your life becomes an expression of him. Just like in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good that means he takes pleasure in it and god sends his word to you and you believe him and god sees that it's good hallelujah and then god delivers you from smoking he delivers you from drinking he delivers you from lusting, and god sees that it is good amen what's he doing he's building up the stature of his son he's building up the stature of his daughter You had doubts about this or that in your life and God sends his word in there and a service comes by and it quickens your heart. What happens? God looks at you and says, it's good. I send my word. God said, let there be light. He sends his light into you and it comes forth and it manifests and God says, oh, it's good. That's the pleasure that was talking about Enoch's life. God sent his word to Enoch and he just carried it out. And God said, oh, that's so good. Hallelujah. God sends his word into this hour by a prophet. And he declares himself through the mouth of a prophet. And he sends it to your address. And you believe it. And the world drops on the right. And the world drops on the left. And perfect faith begins to grow in the individual. And God looks at you and says, oh, it's so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is so good. It's so good to see my life manifesting. And I can put your names there. If I call out your name and don't call out your name, then somebody says, oh, he didn't call my name. But he looks at you individually. And he sees his word growing in you. You say, brother Tim. uh, I think brother Tom uh, quoted it on Sunday. I was going to say tried to quote it, (laughs) but you know where the old woman says, "You know, I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I ought to be. But I know I'm not what I used to be. What is it? Those, those my substance, though yet imperfect. But it was in his mind. It was in his thoughts." And as he reveals his thoughts of me, then I begin to realize who I am. Hallelujah! And it brings pleasure to him. I'm not speaking on on his pleasure this evening. Now, I want to look at the message Works as Faith Express for a moment here. How are we doing for time? Not very good. Okay. (laughs) Told you it'd be short service. (laughs) all right anytime we say that we know it's not going to be a short service it seems like god anchors his revelation in your heart that's where revelation goes to it doesn't go to your mind or your spirit your spirit is where your character is molded all right into the very character of jesus christ but the revelation goes to the heart or the soul or the place where the seed gene is. It's revelation that brings that seed gene back to what it was when it was in the mind of God. Because when you're born, the predestinated seed of God, and and, there's, and that's a whole service in itself, just talking about how you know, without this message, you, we wouldn't even know what predestinated seed gene meant. There's so much. It, it took Brother Branham, where the predestinated seed comes, begins in the message, spoken word is the original seed, is where Brother Branham begins to bring that out all the way down to the end of the ministry. Now, that seed gene that laid in you was dormant until the quickening of the word, but you, that seed was in the mind of God. All right? Now, as God reveals himself to you, that looses the power of the Holy Ghost within you. Now we've spoke about that. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got enough power in you to speak worlds into existence and go and live on them. But it's, it's constrained by a law, not a law, of, a law of do's and don'ts, but a law of revelation or a law of faith. All right, so as much as God will reveal to you with the Holy Ghost in you, that's how much power is loosed. You have already enough power in you as a born-again son or daughter of God to create worlds. The power within you is unlimited because it's a portion of the unlimited one. Okay. Now, but it, it must be revealed to you it must be made known to you because revelation is something that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. All right, I'm just taking it very simple here for a moment. Hopefully the whole service. Brother Bram says in works is faith expressed. He says some powerful things here. He says, as long as the doctor says that you can't live, you can't get well, you can't get, you can't do this or that, as long as you listen to that, That seed will never fall in that kind of ground and do any good. Now he's talking about the seed promise of the word. Okay. He says, so he says, now if a doctor has been telling you things and those things are in your mind, and the doctor says, this is your problem or that's your problem, and because of this or that problem, you will never be able to do this or that. As long as that stays in your mind, you will never be able to overcome that. Which is to say, you will never be able to lose the power of Christ in your life. Because he's the God that heals all sicknesses and disease. All right? There's no disease or sickness that is too powerful for God. He says, but then when something tears all of that away, and the it, he's talking about the promise, falls into that bedded ground. There's nothing can tear it out. All right. So now he says, if the promise, the promise is trying to come to you, but it cannot reveal the power laying in the seed gene because it's hindered by what's going on in your mind. What about this? And what about that? And the doctor says this, and the hospital says that, and the tests say this, and and all these kind of things. But he says, if you can tear all that away, he says, then that seed will bypass the mind and drop in the bedding ground of your soul. All right. Now that's where it begins to loose the power of God in your life. He says, and then he goes, he says now, and he goes now to the scripture. He says, now He said, a virgin shall conceive. Did you know it was 800 years before that happened? God foreknew the woman, who she'd be, what her name was, where that seed would fall into. So when Isaiah prophesied a virgin shall conceive, in the mind of God, it said Mary. Right? In the mind of God, it said 800 years. In the mind of God, it had a destiny. And that destiny, the thoughts of God are real. They're eternal. They must come to pass. And so that prophecy went out there. And to everybody, it was uncertainty. What does that mean? When does that mean? How will that happen? When does that season come? When will those things be? But when an angel, Gabriel, comes to a young woman by the name of Mary, then that scripture becomes alive. The thought of God spoken through the mouth of a prophet now becomes materialized in a young woman called Mary, and she brings forth the Son of God. Amen? All right. He says, God knew about it. He just revealed it to his prophet who was faithful and spoke the word without even thinking about what it was. He just said it. He never tried to reason it out. What if this man, this woman, or this man sitting here or something or other tries to reason? I've been crippled all these years. The doctor says there's not a possible chance. Well, there might not be as far as he knows, and that's true. But if something can tear away them weeds, if God by his grace, not the preacher, not nobody else, but God could place into your heart a revelation, and how does faith come? By hearing the word. A revelation that will pull, you'll be well. There isn't nothing going to keep you sitting there. Amen. Amen. There's nothing can hold you there. You're going to be well. But until that does happen, you're going to set right where the doctor says you're going to set. Until that happens. It has to be revealed it's the grace of God that reveals it. Hallelujah. We believe those things. All right? All right. So number one, the revelation comes to the heart. Number two, that's where the seed gene is, and that is where it is quickened. It, that word has to come to the representation that's eternal in the heart of the individual that God had in his mind before the foundation of the world, or before there was any creation or anything like that, that eternal representation in the believer. All right, now I'm going to go back to spoken or works as faith expressed. He says, "Now when God produced the word by revelation into the heart of Isaiah, it fell into the right grounds. It was a prophet. The, that prophet didn't care for any man's wisdom." He didn't care for man's intellectual. He didn't care about the person of anybody. I thank God for prophets, don't you? He was a dedicated channel to God, and God spoke, and he spoke. So God dropped in in his heart, the prophet spoke it. He had been molded into a channel of God that when God said something, he would say it just that way. That's why the the Holy Spirit was not interested in a prophet with a PhD in this hour. He did not want his word filtered by education. He did not want his word filtered by Harvard. He does not want his word filtered by Princeton or filtered by any man-made ideas and man-made theology. God called a man out of the wilderness, so to speak, with limited education because he was going to train him. When I drop something in your heart, you say it just the way I said it. Amen. That's why this message is delivered in such a form as Jesus says, I thank you, Father, that you have hid these things from the eyes of the wise and prudent, for so it seemed good in your sight. That's that actually that word pleasure again. And so they, they, it was a pleasure to God to hide it from the eyes of the wise and prudent and reveal it unto babes. It's pleasing to him to do that. All right. All right, so he was a dedicated channel. God spoke and he spoke, that's all. Whether it hurt, whether it didn't, whether it sounded crazy, whether it didn't sound crazy, didn't make no difference to him. Who? Isaiah. It was God, not the man. Oh my. When it's God revealing something to you, you don't care what anybody says. It doesn't matter if it hurts feelings. doesn't matter what how, how you know, other people are going to talk about you because you know God revealed it to you. Now, if God revealed something to you, it will always agree with the Bible. Amen? We know that. That's the basis of it all. But yet in the midst of it all, when God comes to the individual, he might re- reveal something to this one that he doesn't reveal to that one. But God has made it real to that individual just like Simeon in the temple that the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he will not die until he sees the Messiah, the Lord's Christ. And he lived and he went on. You know, I don't know how old he was. Maybe he was 80 years old. I don't know. But it was revealed unto him that that he was not going to see death until he saw the Messiah. Now, for everybody else, it was like, Oh, just leave him alone. He's harmless. You know, he's not going to hurt anybody. You know, uh, just, that's just old Simeon. He's got this idea that God told him he's going to see the, the Christ. He's going to see the Messiah. And you know what? It's okay. You know, we don't believe that, but it's okay for him to believe that. You know, let's just, let's just leave him there. But that same God that spoke to Isaiah spoke to Simeon. And one day Mary come in holding a baby. Getting ready for the circumcision of the baby on the eighth day of Jesus' life. And there they were lined up in the temple. And, and Simeon comes down the line of women with these babies as the Holy Spirit moved him and stopped him right there. Hallelujah. He had lived, I don't know, how many years believing that. How many years ago God had revealed that to him. Listen, I uh, like that fire and forget. Amen. Hallelujah. He believed the promise. He just stood on the promise. He didn't have to prove it. He didn't have to to show it to anybody else. He didn't have to have all the right scriptures to put it together. God had revealed it to him. And he stood there and he says, Lord, now I can finally depart in peace. Oh, Lord, I've seen your Messiah. I've seen your Christ. Christ. I've seen it. You know, if they would have understood this man was moved by the Holy Ghost, they would have all rejoiced. They would have all lined up to worship the Lord Jesus there on the eighth day of his life. But they didn't believe Simeon. But Simeon, was, it was revealed to him that God had, would bring it to pass in his life. And God brought it to pass. Didn't matter. It might have been 30 years he was waiting. Didn't matter to Simeon. God spoke to me. Didn't matter to Abraham. That God that he had to wait twenty five years, and say so the Bible says he grew stronger in faith every day, stronger every day. Abraham said, "Why could he grow stronger in faith? Why could he believe for his son growing stronger every day?" Because God spoke to him. It didn't matter what man said. God changed his name to Abraham. It didn't matter what man said. He changed him from a father of nation to a father of nations and you, know, uh, you know, brought about in him a manifestation of the revelation until finally one day his body became changed young again and the, and the promised son come on the scene. But it didn't matter to Abraham what anybody else was thinking because he was walking with God himself. All right? He says that word went forth, now it becomes a seed. It has to fall somewhere. If God said it, there's bound to be a womb somewhere For it to fall into. Just as he said all things are possible to them that believe. If you say to this mountain be moved. And don't doubt in your heart. You can have what you said. See there's got to be somewhere that's right. Amen. The promise had a destination. And the destination was Mary. Every promise that God has written. Every promise that God has put in his word. Is so that one day you will pick it up. And when it becomes real to you that he's my healer, there's not any sickness out of the pit of hell that can ever convince you otherwise. He's my healer. When he shows you that he's your provider, there's no downturn in the economy, there's no lost job, there's no nothing in the natural realm that can ever tell you anything different because he's revealed to me. I'm his seed, and he's revealed to me. I am your provider. Amen. I am your savior. I am the God that heals all of your sicknesses and diseases. I'm the problem solver. I'm the chain breaker. I'm the one that manifests in any situation. I'm the storm stopper. I'm the one that comes down with the power to give you the ability to be who you were meant to be. Joshua one day had the revelation. How did that possibly happen? All we know is Joshua one day reached into the depths of the sea gene that was within him. He said, son, stand still. Moon hang there over Agilon because the battle was hot and heavy. They needed more time, and he believed he was in the will of God. And so, sonship rose up in Joshua. Hallelujah. Sonship rose up in Joshua. He took his position. This is my place, this is my predestinated position. Son, you got to stand still until we're done. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I just have a funny way of thinking about things, but there was people on the other side of the earth that were saying, this is the longest night we've ever had. (laughs) As the sun stayed on that side of the earth for the battle, and there's people laying in bed saying, I'm not even tired. Why is it still dark outside? What is going on? I'll tell you what, the whole world had to come subject to a son of God who spoke the revelation of God that was within him. Hallelujah! That's what God's bringing his children back to. That's the title deed that he's calling you into. That's the manifestation of the hour that we're living in. Oh, my. Because the revelation that he sends into your heart, and I'm out of time. I'm on number three of seven. The revelation is as much about the revealing of your representation in Christ as God will give you. What is revelation? It's to come to you, to reveal to you that you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You have authority. To take the promise of the word and cause it to come into effect by your faith. Amen. When God reveals it to you, the devil cannot stand against it. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The devil is a broken man. that's why, John, can I take a few more minutes? John, you know, in, the, in, the, in Revelation chapter 4, chapter 5... John's standing there, and, the, and the, the, the message goes out, you know, who's worthy to open the book? The call goes out, who's worthy to open the book and to loose the seals? And the Bible said that John wept. And, and, uh, and Brother Branham describes it in the breach message. He says, some people have taught that John wept because he found himself not worthy. He says, any man with the Holy Ghost would know that's not the reason. He says, but John wept, and here's what I think he wept for, because if no one was worthy and could open this book of redemption, the whole creation was lost. Now what does that mean, the whole creation was lost? I'm sorry, I just take individual sentences and I realize there's a lot to unpack here. To say whole creation is lost goes back to Romans chapter 8 that says the creature groaneth and travaileth waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Because the revelation of the sons of God laid in that book. And it was sealed with seven seals. And so creation was subject to sin because of the fall in the garden of Eden. And if the book was not open, the creation can never come out of sin. It could never overcome sin. It could never be changed. All that was destined for creation was destruction. There could, there could be a, a forgiveness of sin, but there could never be an entering into the eternal purpose of God. Hallelujah. But John wept. But well, John wept, there was one. A cry went out from one of the elders. Don't weep. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals. In other words, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed, has has paid the price, has wrestled with the enemy and overcome, wrestled in the garden of Gethsemane. He is the one that has prevailed to take the seals off the book, to bring sons and daughters of God back to their position. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that they might come to the fullness of what God has intended them to be. Remember, it's not just a coming out of sin, but it's an entering into full inheritance. So there would come a time, as Paul spoke, let's just read it here, Romans chapter 8. Take your Bibles just for a moment. We'll turn to this last scripture. I'm sorry, it's just... The word is too rich and for my puny ability to preach it. But we thank God that he can make it real. See, as John stood there and the book, no man was found worthy, the Bible says, "in in heaven, in earth, or under the earth. And John wept. Listen, it was personal to him. It wasn't something that was, uh, oh, you know, the plan of God. No, it was me. My name is written there. My position is there. The fullness of who I am meant to be is recorded there. And if those seals don't come off, I can never realize my potentials. I can never come to the fullness of what God had in his mind because the seals were hiding the thoughts in God's mind that were written on the book as David recorded. It was written in the book, but they were sealed with seven seals, but now in the last days to be revealed. All right, so so now, oh, this, this is just good. We'll just end with this thought in Romans chapter 8. Now, I want you to catch this in verse 18, how it says that, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the, cre- for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of God. That's revelation. For the, the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same... In hope, because the creature shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now Paul starts out here, the sufferings that we go through is not worthy to be compared to that glory. And then he goes back and he says, we were subjected to these vanities not willingly. What vanities is he talking about? All the problems that you went through, all the things that that you think are problems in your life, all the scars that you have, you were subjected to those things, not willingly, but God allowed those things to happen, then there's and listen, I gotta close with this thought, but but we've come to an age of victimhood. We've come to an age where everybody's a victim. You know, woe is me, because I'm this or cause I'm that. You know, woe is me because this happened to me or that happened to me. All of these things. That's what Paul's talking about. The sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared to the glories that are contained on the Lamb's book of life. Which mysteries are revealed in your day? The things that you have gone through, the things that you have been subjected through. And they're all real. But yet in the midst of all that, you have a choice. You can say, I am what God has called me to be. Or I am what my sufferings have made me. Come on. You have a choice. You can choose to be what God called you to be. Or you can wallow in the victimhood of all of our lives. All of us have been through things. There's nobody here but has suffered because you were born in sin. You, were, you might have been raised in the best home. You still had to suffer things. You still had to go through things. Well, let me just drop this. This is point seven, but I'm just going to drop this in right now. What was the devil's sin? Lucifer. In the book of Isaiah. What was, what was his sin? You say, oh, well, it was his pride. It was, it was that he wanted to, you know, do this, that, and other thing. Uh, Lucifer's sin was that he didn't want to stay what God had made him. He says, I will exalt myself above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. You go and read it in the book of Isaiah 14. You'll find it there. He had a desire to be something other than what God had ordained him to be. Or in other words, he desired to be something other than what he was in the mind or the thoughts of God. And because of that, he brought about a rebellion in heaven and brought about sin and brought about all corruption because he didn't want to be what God had made him. And I'll tell you what, to this day, I guarantee you the devil is not satisfied. He can find no satisfaction. He can find no place of rest. He's going about roaring as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to destroy. He's trying to trample. He's trying to do every evil thing. Why? Because the only place he could have had satisfaction was in what God made him to be. We're living in that age where the devil's thoughts, we call it Satan's Eden, are manifested. Everyone wants to be what they think they want to be. I want to be this, or I want to be that. Till even men want to be women, and women want to be men. Every, every idea, oh well, now I'm a dog, or now I'm a cat, or now I'm a cow, or you know, whatever. It's, it's the most ridiculous insanity that's come upon the face of the earth. It's just a manifestation of the thoughts of the devil. says, I'll be whatever I want to be. It's my truth. It's my reality. It's nothing but the thoughts of the devil. But I'll tell you tonight as a son of God, as a son of God, I will be what I am in the mind of God. I have no desire for the thoughts of this world. I have no desire for even my own thoughts of my own desires of the flesh or any other nonsense or something that social media will pump into me or something that education will pump into me or something that the business world will pump into me or something some of us and I had a career I had all those things and when the light of this word came by my way I said that career doesn't mean nothing to me those ideas mean nothing to me the the ambitions and the ideas of man for my life mean nothing I want one thing I want God to reveal his thoughts of me and I will walk in those thoughts. Hallelujah. As we're coming to a close, the musicians can come. But it takes that from a son or a daughter of God. You'll be pumped with all thoughts of the devil in this hour. All thoughts of Lucifer that will tell you you can be whatever you want to be. That's the devil's thinking. If you want that, go for it. I'll tell you right now, there's no satisfaction in those things. None. You won't find a peace there. You won't find a rest there. But the God who made creation, the God who knew you before you were born, the God who subjected you to the sufferings that your life has suffered, has allowed those things in your life that he might bring his word to you and say, those things are not who you are. Just like the woman at the well who stood there day after day, coming in the middle of the day because she couldn't come with the virgins and she couldn't come with the married women. You know, she had to come in an inopportune time because she was living not a right life. And she, was, she had lived with five men and now the one she was living with was, was not her husband. And so she had these, these relationships that she could never find a satisfaction in. But one day, the God that allowed her life to go down that road, met her at the well. And says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink of water. She says, you don't know. You know, you don't have anything to draw with. He says, the water that I give, if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You will find a satisfying portion in the water that I have to give you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Why? Because you are, and I love the way the prophet of God puts it, down inside of her was a predestinated seed gene. And when the light struck that seed, she had to stand and confess, I'm not who you think I am. I am who God has revealed to me. Hallelujah. God had come by her way. She dropped her water pot. She left her former life, in other words, and says, these things mean nothing to me anymore. Come see a man who told me all things. Is this not the very Messiah? The word has come by her way. And in that word is every answer that we have need of. And in that word is every satisfaction we have ever looked for. And in that word is everything that we need. Hallelujah. I've met him and you need to meet him. And if there's somebody here tonight that hasn't met him, I would say that you need to say what that woman said, Lord, evermore, give us this water. Lord, open my understanding. Lord, give pour in your life into my life and quicken me and make me what I am truly meant to be in this, the final day of mankind. All my life you yeah, have been faithful. Let's stand to God. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head,
2: oh, I will sing.
5: All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that
2: I am able, oh, I feel of the goodness of God. I love your voice. are close like no other I've known you as a father
5: bow our heads together what did the woman at the well find when the word spoke to her she received it and it changed her life it took away the suffering it took away the emptiness and it revealed to her her purpose was to be quickened by the word in her day if we could really catch that this morning if there's one person maybe you're feeling an empty void maybe you're wondering what direction your life is going i'll tell you what the answer is not out there in the world It's not out there in some program of man, some natural success. You might be naturally successful, but that isn't the answer. The answer lays in the mystery of God's Word that He wants to reveal to you personally. If you're one of those people that just hasn't come to that place, that you've surrendered to the molding of God and the yielding of God in your life. Why don't you just do something right now? Maybe you want to slip up your hand. Maybe you want to confess it in your heart. Maybe you just want to say something to the Lord and say, Lord, I realize I've been pursuing the wrong direction. Let me see things the way you want me to see things. Let your word be quickened in my life. I surrender myself this evening. I ask you forgive me of my sins. I ask that you make yourself real to me, O oh God. I don't want to play church. I don't want to wallow in the things of the world anymore. I don't want to just be subject to the whims of the flesh. I'm asking for the satisfying portion this evening, Heavenly Father. Lord, you see everyone that's gathered in tonight. It's a Wednesday night. I'm speaking mostly to believers here. And I believe, Lord, you're encouraging. Lord, you're lifting up and you're showing them the work that you're doing in their lives. But, uh, but it would be remiss, Father, I feel in my heart if I would let the service go by without giving somebody an opportunity to say, Lord, I need you. Oh, God, I need you in this empty age filled with the thoughts of satan and the emptiness of i'll be what i want to be lord i confess and many confess tonight lord we're not interested in being what we want to be we're interested in being what we were in your thoughts before the foundation of the world we have come to this hour to be an expression of your word father we love your word And we just desire it to be manifested in our lives in every way that it was meant to be, Lord. doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman, a child or an adult. Lord, may your word take the preeminence. May your light come to the soul and quicken the individual, oh God, and bring deliverance from the lies of the devil Lies of the enemy, Lord, that would try and, and capture somebody. Try and make them a prisoner. Lord, they may may they be free from that. May chains be broken. Lord, may there, may the Holy Spirit come into their very being today and cause them to see they are a child of God. They're not called to wallow in the things of the world, but in you is there satisfaction. We give this service to you asking your blessing, O God. Upon it for the people that are here and those that will listen even in the days ahead in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I wonder if we could sing that set your wings on the winds of faith before we go Just before we go, let's just sing this through. There are two roads you may take One by sight
2: and one by faith
5: Take the Word of God you see Word of God and the revelation of it just lift you higher and higher till you come fully into the image of what his thoughts were of you before the foundation of the world isn't that wonderful don't it doesn't say create the wind God makes the wind God sends the word that creates the faith and all we have to do is rise higher and higher on that into the very presence of God amen Remember, Sunday, there's two services. Sunday afternoon, 4.30, will be communion and foot washing. Be in prayer about those things. We look forward to a wonderful weekend in His presence. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.